I truly think like you've got to get a lot of feedback from other people that are going to just be like brutally honest with you. It sucks to hear, but again, it's a short-term versus long-term game. You want it for as long-term as possible. That's going to help you a lot more when you're trying to go sell Target. Welcome to Subscriptions Scale, sponsored by Rebar Technology. Join us each week to hear from industry leaders in the subscription space, share their best tips and stories and learn how you can up-level your subscription business today. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Subscription Scaled. I'm your host, Nick Frederick. With me today, we have a guest, Nick Hall, who is the co-founder of Vita5. Nick, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Sounds like we got the Nick and Nick show today. Looking forward to it. That's um, right. <laughs> why don't we start with uh, you telling us a little bit about yourself, the background, and how you came to start Vita5. Yeah, definitely. So Garrett and myself went to Texas Christian University. I am from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so totally wanted to go somewhere different, accepted to a school loyal of Maryland and decided last minute, hey, let me go check out the business school. Checked it out the first time, really didn't. It was like fine. It was rainy, cold day. When a couple months later, it was like 75 degrees and like <laughs> seriously the most beautiful day ever. Really? And so I was like, Okay, this is awesome. Let me look deeper into it. So I really started to look at like, hey, how is the school doing year over year over the past five years? And where is it going? And where do I think it's going to go? And so the Loyola Maryland was gradually declining where uh, TCU was gradually inclining, increasing the ranks, which was good. Okay. And so after seeing all that, I was like, all right, this is perfect. I, I want to go here. Garrett and I were in class together, always talk business ideas. Finally, by junior year, we had, I wouldn't say launched things, but like we had launched projects together. And so anyways, we, we worked really, really well together. I had worked on other businesses before that some were semi-successful by no means like massive, but just kind of like, you know, a window cleaning business that, you know, did 10,000 bucks in sales in the summer, like nothing crazy. And so we really were like, Hey, let's try to find something. We love the idea of dollar shave club. We didn't understand the economics at the time, but we loved the idea of like, Hey, high lifetime value of a customer or something that people always use. At that time, subscriptions were really, really hot, where like everyone had a subscription box, whether it was Bulu box or Birch box or any of those. There was obviously like the Harry's and Dollar Shave Club and all those as well. And so we looked at it as like, all right, what's something that people are constantly using? And so Garrett actually met someone at a meeting one day and pulled out like a pack of vitamins. And so he was actually just looking for an internship, wasn't even looking for like stealing idea or anything like that. And the guy just kind of blew him off. He was like, Gert was saying like, hey, have you thought about doing this online? This was, you know, in a doctor's office. And uh, the guy was like, nope, not interested. And Gert was like, okay, no worries. Like, I'll just go back to Nick. So <laughs> we ended up changing up some of the idea. And, you know, the start of the business was, hey, let's start this with custom gummy vitamin packs sent to your door on a four-week subscription basis. So every four weeks, you'll get your whatever you have, your omega, multi, C, apple cider vinegar, and collagen all in a pack with your name on the back. And so started there and then just kind of, you know, evolved from there. Okay. It sounds like that, you know, vitamins are operating on the edge of what could be a pretty regulated market. I mean, how much of that comes into play with what you guys do? Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a question that I get pretty often of like, oh, well, vitamins aren't regulated by the FDA. And it's like, well, neither is any of the food in the grocery store. <laughs> Fair enough. We go off of the same uh, standards as food, which honestly is at a reasonably high level, right? When you're saying approved by the FDA, that means that you have to go in, go through testing, do all that stuff. Like, it's not to say that, you know, I mean, I guess you could sell whatever, 
but the reality is like just as like good human beings i don't think that someone's gonna buy you know a thing of chalk that you eat you know or just some some nonsense whatever so but it is still like very regulated you know you have to have very high standards of your facility and all of that and so you know we even go a step further and we have uh, very high qualifications for each one of our facilities so yeah yeah even if it regardless of the you know the governmental oversight or regulation of it you know consumers i think want to know that hey exactly. these people who are selling this supplement to me know what they're doing so how have you guys immersed yourselves in that and kind of working to educate yourselves and then convey that to the consumer yeah i mean we definitely have like a number of like consultants and stuff that always help us with that stuff because that information is so first it's it's so much information but secondly sure. is it's just complex like it will say something like you need to have uh regular check-ins for your pest control well what does that mean does that mean once a month once a year like oh you need to have a certificate of analysis on your product when it's saying like hey if you say you have five milligrams of melatonin do you actually have five milligrams of melatonin regularly and it's like well so does that mean once every five years or every single time i get a new product in and so like there's a lot of ambiguous things in there so we do have a ton of you know consultants that kind of help us out and then once you get into it it's not like the worst or scariest thing ever but there definitely is a number of things that like you want to make sure you have the right people in place yeah well i mean vitamins aren't new obviously it's something that's been around for a really long time so what made you want to get into that somewhat crowded space and then that can kind of take us into why did you see this as a viable option for a subscription-based business yeah definitely i think i think that's a really good question and i think the biggest thing with this is garrett and i were like very into like the health and fitness always working out always doing things but for us we would take pills and we just were not good at taking them. It would just be one of those things where, you know, we tried to take them consistently, but two weeks later, as, as you know, the usual person out there, they stopped taking the vitamins and they're like, oh, well, there that goes by the wayside. And so we're like, all right, we need to find a way that people truly enjoy taking these vitamins, doing it all the time, all that stuff. And so we were like, hey, gummy vitamins is like the best thing. And back in 2015, when we first started, there was only a number of gummy vitamins out there. There was the Vitafusion, the Nature Made. There was like the top people, but Ollie had just come out at that point. And now Ollie's like one of the biggest suppliers out there. But it just shows that, like, you know, today, in today's age, I mean, there is so many. Like, you really, really got to put a differentiator on yourself over others. So, and, and we're always working on the next innovation of what we can do. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was looking on the website and, you know, I'd see different types of, of course, vitamins for different reasons that you might be taking them, you know, nighttime or mental health or, you know, all of, all of those different packs, exactly. but you also offer personalized packs, right? Yep. Was that, was that there from the beginning or was that a, so a the personalized that had pack was, so it all started with a personalized pack. We grew that to a pretty decent size and then found that it's very hard to scale at a certain size because as, as beautiful as subscriptions are, there is the, also the reality of there is churn. And how do you change that as much as possible? You know, it's like, I think, again, it starts with the product. But um, so we started with the personalized side and then later got into the, you know, like just monthly pouches that you could get on Amazon or Target or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Amazon being one animal of it in and of itself. When you started, were you direct to consumer or were you going through other channels such as Amazon? Yeah, so so the pretty much the timeline was for the first two and a half years, two, two and a half years ish, we were all on our website 
e-commerce, direct consumer, subscription. I just said like three words that were all the same. <laughs> but <laughs> e-commerce, direct to consumer. Uh, okay. But no, yeah. So, so like our timeline was like, hey, we launched in March of 2016. Before that, we were just kind of coming up with the idea, all that stuff. Okay. And March 2016, we launched. We were seniors in college. We had two months left before we graduated school. The first day we had like 30 sales. We thought it was amazing. Didn't look at who, who the people were. We thought it was like, we're about to blow this thing up. For us, that was like a thousand bucks in sales. And you know, like uh -huh. for two poor college kids, we're like, heck yeah, we're about to be millionaires. Well, that got shut down really quickly because after about a week of our family and friends purchasing, we realized uh -huh. that, oh wait, we don't have any sales. Uh -huh. And so that was super, super eye-opening because we were there was multiple days where we sat there and it was like, there's gotta be something wrong with our site. Gotta be something wrong with our site. There's no way. Marketing must be broken. And you know, back then we were thinking like, you have a website, people just go to it. Same thing as Amazon. Like people go to Amazon, people are just gonna type in Vitify as if they would have had any idea. As if they know. knew what it was, right. Right. Yeah. And so was honestly like truly like really rough for the first like six to nine months or so. By like October, we had built a custom built site that just like the funnel was insane. It was like seven to nine steps. People weren't able to get through it. There was just so many issues. I would say like, if there's, if there's one suggestion, it's like, do not do custom built sites. And so anyways, it was, it was, well, I think we had to go through it. It was rough. But then after that, we really started to figure out, okay, we need to, we switched to Shopify. And then, you know, everything is like very basic. You go through the process and then, we were able to grow a bit with our Facebook advertising and all that stuff. We grew up to a certain point and because of cash flow, we've always been a fairly lean team, but because of cash flow, what we found was it's fairly difficult to grow at a at a high level rate forever because at some point your churn catches up with your new acquisition. And so we hit into the seven figure mark and we're like, hey, we gotta find a different way. And all of our competitors went out there and were like, hey. They're all raising, you know, tens of millions, one ninety million, one like fifty million dollars. And so we were like, I don't like the idea of that. Let's just go ahead and try this a little bit more of an organic way, similar to the way that Ollie did it. And so we decided to go into retail and started with Amazon first just to see if people would actually respond. And they responded right. pretty well. And then we launched and the idea was like, hey, how do we get into Target and some of the big boys? And so 2019 we launched 20 by the end of 2020 we were in over 5,000 stores so it kind of brought it all together so okay yeah getting that distribution is one thing how have you been able to promote the product now going into all of these different channels yeah now it's it's a very interesting game each one of them is like very unique in and of itself I've got buddies that'll talk and they're like yeah I'm on Amazon I'm gonna get into retail and I'm like just so you know it's two completely different games it's like when we were learning the e-commerce subscription model it was very different. Like Garrett and I have no background in this stuff. We got into it in college. It's not to say like we weren't smart or strategic or connected with people. Like we've been very smart on all of that stuff, but we had no background before. And when we got into retail, we thought it was like, oh, copy paste, just change a couple of factors. And it's like, that's the furthest from the truth. So we had to learn <laughs> all of that. And same with Amazon, you know, like you can throw some stuff on, on Amazon and you may or may not get sales, but if if you look at the big guys on Amazon, like they are very, very strategic in how they do things. So that's been really, really cool to see as well. 
So being five years in business and starting out subscription, how has that mix evolved over those, those five years between subscription and e-commerce to retail? Yeah, obviously we were 100% back in 20, 2017, 2018, most of the year we were all e-commerce. Then we got into mm -hmm. Amazon a little bit. We launched in retail in 2019. And so like the way the revenue went, so we literally dropped all marketing spend on e-commerce when we were doing the retail to really just like okay. fund the retail side of it without yeah. having to go out and raise more money. And so what we did was it went from like, you know, hundred percent down to, I think at our peak in retail, we were doing 80% retail, really? 20%. Okay. That's not to say like, oh, we were still running like a heavy seven figure e-com business. Like we were still losing customers, but we still kept a good third of our customers that were just like very, very loyal, which was nice. And so now at today, I think we do about 70, 75% um, in retail slash Amazon. And then 25% is on our site, which is still a pretty heavy number for what you typically see within retail and e-commerce brands together. So, Do you have any data to, to support maybe some some new customers, people who have never tried the product before, seeing it on a shelf and you know at a real retailer or finding it coming across it on Amazon, trying the product for the first time, falling in love with it and maybe coming direct to you to then be, you know, buy again or become a subscriber? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we do some creative marketing that enables people to text us once they get our product. So whether they're Amazon, retail, whatever. And what we do is we just kind of like keep in close communication with those people. And, you know, sure enough, people come back all the time. Some buy on our site, some are like, hey, I'm, there is different kinds of consumers out there, right? Like there's the ones that are like, I'm going to shop at Target at my own will. If I want to buy three bags, I'll buy three bags. I don't care about getting a 20% discount on a three bag combo. So there's those kinds of people. And there's people that's like, hey, I love the fact that you can customize a pouch and I can just take a little pack to go. It's not going to melt in the car. It's just going to be like, it's super easy to do. So, but yeah, we definitely have a number of people that have now come from these retail, Amazon and all that. Yeah. Is there anything you're doing in particular to drive them that way? Because I assume direct to consumer, most are trying, who have been retail are trying to go direct to consumer for, you know, more control over the, over the customer lifecycle. Are you trying to drive them that way or you're, Hey, we'll you know, take you if you want to come to us. Yeah. We're very like, we'll take you anyway. Right. Because at the end of the day, if I was trying to take, I always try to look at things as like, I want to do the most good for the longest term. Right. So for instance, if I make a decision today and it's good for me this week, that's different than if it's good for me. Truly, I look at it as like eternity, right? Like look at it as eternity backwards. Because if I'm going to do something today that's going to jeopardize myself in a year, five years, 10 years, or truly for eternity, I think that's the worst decision I can make. Although I may get a quick win now. And so the way that I look at it is like, we have partners like Target, Kroger, Walgreens, and I never want to go out there and pretty much stab them in the back, right? Like, I don't want to take them and say like, hey, here's this, now come buy on my site. Like, right. at the end of the day, buy where you want to buy. You know, if you're a Walgreens shopper, you're a Walgreens shopper. If you're someone that's like, dude, I love Target and I buy my vitamins whenever I remember to buy my vitamins. Now we will definitely push, right? So I think people think, oh, when someone tries my product, they'll keep going forever. Well, the reality is most people are irresponsible. Most people don't go out there and are on a schedule of like, oh, I finished my apple cider vinegar. Let me go back and get more. It's like, they need to be pushed. And so maybe it's just a text reminder of like, hey, have you run out of your apple cider vinegar yet? Um, here's some more, you know, and just like a simple text right. or whatever it might be. So, 
yeah, it's definitely a uh, an interesting route, but yeah, I, th- I think it's a uh, it's gonna you know we're gonna kind of continue to push in that way to get people to continue to try our products and stuff like that. On the your side itself, the direct to consumer side, how have the consumers over time engaged subscription versus one time purchases? There, have you seen that majority you know, is subscription? They are okay. On our site, majority is subscription. But then I would say of new customers that come in. So we only had a subscription option before. Now we have the okay. ability of both. I think we probably subscribe. I think the numbers I looked at last was 40%. 30 to 40%. Obviously, big jump there. But last numbers I saw was 40%. But usually on average, week over week, we're saying 30 to 40% of people are subscribing. And I think it shows a couple of things, right? Like, we're not trying to gamify the system in some way of like, oh, we're going to try to force you in. I mean, we, we are strategic with things. Don't get me wrong. But we don't want you to subscribe if, like, we're not trying to be deceiving and get people to subscribe. But uh, it is something that, like, once people try it, they love it. So, yeah. You've touched a couple times on some important subscription concepts, churn being one of them. Talk about some of the things you've you learned about a subscription business that maybe going into it you were didn't anticipate or something you hadn't learned before. Yeah, two things, I think. I'm going to start with churn and then I'm going to finish with cost per acquisition and cash flow. And, and I'll relate it to the other parts of the business too. So churn is a thing and it's got to start with the product. You have a shitty product, you're not going to continue to have good results after. I've, I've had a number of other company products that are like very big borderline household names at this point. And they put a ton of money into their advertising and stuff. And hey, they're doing probably better than us. So I can't say anything for, but what I will say is I tried some of it and I'm like, holy cow, this tastes like complete crap. <laughs> and so- that in and of itself is like very, very hard to keep customers. You can try every tactic out there. You have a bad product, it's not going to work. And I, I truly think like you've got to get a lot of feedback from other people that are going to just be like brutally honest with you. It sucks to hear, but again, it's a short-term versus long-term game. You want it for as long-term as possible. And it's like, sure, your friends may say this sucks and you're going to be like, oh, you're a jerk, whatever. But that's going to help you a lot more when you're trying to go sell Target and they're like, because that guy didn't care. He's going to go out there and be like, this tastes horrible. And it's like, well, guess what? You're not in because the guy didn't like it. If you would have just fixed things from the beginning. So that's a big thing on churn. I mean, there's a number of things that you can do. There's some that do like the extreme, like, you know, you can go through like a different kind of, what do you call it? Like cancellation processes, right? So you can do email, text, call to cancel. You can do like, go through this survey, give them a $5 gift card, whatever it may be. We currently do email to cancel. Personally, we've, we've tried a lot of the other ones. And what we found is if you give someone an easy option to cancel, just like canceling it like that, they're going to take it right away. But if you make them call to cancel, they're going to get pissed. It's like, I could order online. Why couldn't I do it like this? We really just try to get the idea of like, why are people truly canceling? Like, Because most of the time people, for our product at least, are just wanting to pause off a little bit. So that's, that's a big thing to think about. But, uh, and then you just have like retention strategies, you know, it's like treating people how they want to be treated. And it's, it's going out there and, you know, saying happy birthday on their birthday and, you know, Hey, how are you actually liking things? If you're not liking things, let me like make sure things are actually right with you. Even if that costs us money, if we have to do a refund and send you free product, I don't care. I mean, I'd rather have the chance of winning you over than not. And so that's kind of the approach that we take on that. And then in terms of cost per acquisition, lifetime value, cash flow. That's a big thing. So what I was saying earlier was when we were in the beginning phase of the business, the first year and a half, two years, 
we were growing the business. We grew it to seven figures. You know, it took us probably six, nine months to really get the hang of things. But then it took us another like probably nine to 12 months after that to grow it to seven figure business. And it was really cool because we were like growing at a really high rate. I'm talking some months we were growing at like 20% month over month. But what happened was our cash flow was horrible. So like you got to think most of the time when you're doing a subscription business, the cost per acquisition may be more expensive than the first month's product of like the cost. Right. So like it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's just say it's 10 bucks and you're paying $15 to acquire the customer, but they stay for 10 months. It costs you 15 bucks, but you make a hundred, take your cost of goods, whether it's 50% or whatever, and you make 35 bucks. So yes, it's profitable, but it's not cash flow sensitive. And so you really have to figure out like, how are you going to scale that? And so that's something that we were very, very cautious of. Like you're looking at a lot of these companies, like Dollar Shave Club and some of these other ones where it's like, mm, they're having a hard time with the Dollar Shave Club model. Why are they in retail now? Their whole thing was against retail in the beginning. And it's like, well, because you got to do what makes you money and you got to be able to scale at a rate that's like reasonable. Now, everyone knows what Dollar Shave Club is now, but, you know, are they, you know, profitable? I think that their numbers, if I remember correctly, was like something like a 36 month payback. That doesn't work. The only way that works is that like, you know, some crazy amount of money that comes in and people will come to us all the time and say, well, why not just go viral? And I'm like, that's the funniest thing. Like you don't just go viral. Like you either pay a ridiculous <laughs> amount really of money thing. or yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, but anyways, those are my two things with subscription that like, the thing is I say, I wish someone would have told me, but I had people tell me and yeah. I'm like, nah, 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 it's not an issue, not an issue. We'll, we'll deal with those problems when they present themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and honestly, I mean, I look at it as like people that are in the subscription direct to consumer, let's just say direct to consumer as a whole. Those people look at the Amazon and the retail businesses and go, oh, it's so pretty over there. The people in the retail look at the others and go, oh, look how pretty it is. The Amazon, yeah. they're like, oh, how pretty. When you get in each one of them, you go, well, this shit sucks. This stuff's good. Like <laughs> this right here right. is good for this and this and this. And so it's like, yeah. they all have their place. They're all yeah. good and bad. Grass is always green on the other side until you realize so what true, it's fertilized right? with. I mean, if it were that easy, everybody would be doing it that, you know, exactly. any channel is going to have its challenges and, you know, the things you got to learn about it. But I think you brought up a good point. You guys are already doing it, which is, you know, in today's model, especially when you're selling physical goods, consumers want to be, if you're going to reach a mass amount of consumers, you got to meet them where they want to be met. You know, if it is subscription exactly. because they want it to show up on their doorstep every 30 days, then do that. Sure. If it's, you know, I want to buy this when I want to buy it. So put it at retail or put it on Amazon, then do that. Yeah. But, the, you know, some of the best models there when you just, it's a hybrid of those two things, which it sounds like you guys are doing, which is, which is smart, totally but I'm sure that was a lot of lessons learned along the way to do that. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, we're still learning lessons to this day and there's, there's weeks and months where I'm like, gosh, do we cut marketing spend on our site and put it towards Amazon? Do we cut marketing spend here and put it towards retail? Like, or do we, you know, I, I was talking with someone the other week about uh, liquid IV. And how many companies do you know that are kicking serious ass in retail, on e-commerce, and in Amazon? Most of the time, companies do really, really well in like retail or e-commerce or Amazon. I don't know a whole lot of people that are just crushing it all around, but I do know that if you look at Vital Proteins, Liquid IV, there's a few others that I could probably find or think of, but there's not a whole lot. Like I even look at it and one of our big competitors is Ollie. That guy is kick ass. He is a machine at retail. I don't know a whole lot of people better than him, but to be honest, he never really figured out the website. The fortunate thing is he didn't need to. 
So <laughs> it's not like you have to figure out all areas. But I know with yeah. Liquid IV, their whole thing was like sticks and mouths. Like their whole thing was like, hey, let's get this, you know, Liquid IV into the hands of someone. We think that people are going to love it. And then from there, we have the thought that we'll be able to, you know, keep them as a customer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we talk to a lot of different subscription businesses, you know, uh, physical goods like ourselves, but a lot of digital as well. And for digital, very different, right? Because their cost to deliver incrementally isn't nearly what it is when you're talking about, you know, exactly. uh, vitamins or box of the month club or whatever it is, right? That's a, that's a very different model. Plus you, you've got to deal with procuring more goods and developing that product and putting them on the shelves and putting them in boxes yeah. and fulfilling all of that stuff or in the mail or whatever you do. So a lot, a lot more comes into play there and that'll affect cash flow. to your point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, I think both of them are similar in a sense, right? It's like you got human intelligence for one versus a, a good on the other, right? Not, not to be yeah. discounted that there's human intelligence or whatever it may be, but like if you're, if you're selling a, a software or whatever, you know, even even like you think about like Wall Street Journal or whatever, it's like you still have to add value one way or another. So it's like your cost is going in somewhere, although it may not be like a physical cost of goods. There is definitely the, the cost. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, specific to the subscription side and mostly on your website, as you guys have have scaled that up over the years, how have you looked at? You already touched on one thing, which was you built the site custom from the beginning, and then that was a painful road, and then moved it over to Shopify. How have you looked at those decisions around, is this the type of thing that we need to build ourselves versus buy versus outsource to a third party? How do you guys make those kind of decisions? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we stay very much in our niche. Um, one of the values that we just recently added is, like, truly working as a team, right? And And what that means is there are people on the team that are really, really good with certain things. So for example, we've got a guy that works on Excel. That's all he does. He works on multiple different projects at a time. And he's just like, he is the man at Excel. I'm okay at Excel. Like if you look at my stuff or like if you're someone that's not in Excel and you look at me in Excel, you're like, dang, the dude can move. Like he's able to use keyboard shortcuts and all this stuff or whatever. But it's like, no, the reality is I'm not, I'm okay, but I'm not amazing. And so we're very much like, hey, Let's send it to the experts. Like design-wise, uh, I don't even want to say I can design anything out because I can't. But like Garrett, my business partner, is really good with design, honestly. It's not worth his time though. Like he's got bigger, higher level strategy things. And the reason I say it like that is because it is more worth our designer's time to work on all that stuff. So like in terms of that, I think the biggest thing is like, you know, you hear people on Shopify or all these different platforms. Those are some of the most important steps that you will have to take. I think, you know, it's just as important as hiring, you know, a head sales guy or whatever. And I think most of it is like, go out there and look at what the industry is doing and see like, Hey, what is specific to you? And that doesn't mean like for me, I don't go look at Ollie for Ollie vitamins for when I'm trying to create a website, right? Because they're okay with their website. They do well with their website but they're not who I'm trying to be on the website. Now, I now I'll copy their things in retail that I think they do really well. But if I could look at vital proteins, I could look at liquid IV. I mean, I'm, I'm very much in like the consumer goods, healthy, better for you space, but I can even look at movement watches and start to take some of their things. And there's so many different things that you can, tools and stuff like that. But yeah, we outsource most everything on that end. There's just not enough work for a lot of that. Honestly, graphic design, we're hiring in just an intern for design for the summer because we think it's a full-time role because we have so much stuff going on. But I bet we'll find really quickly either it's a totally necessary, like we need it full-time, 
it's a part-time 20 hour a week, or let's just hire out to a firm because it's easier, better, cheaper, whatever it may be. Yeah. So. You guys have grown up over the past five years and then through that stage, find yourselves in the middle of a pandemic and a lot of consumers not wanting to go to, you know, even go to the drugstore, let alone the grocery store or, or any retail outlet. How did you see that affect your business? And was there any strategic pivots that you guys made when that happened to maybe, you know, push people more towards the website or kind of change something in some way as a result of consumers shopping in a very different way in a very short period of time? Yep. I, th I think really good points there. For us, we're in the vitamin space, right? So obviously that was super big for, like COVID was huge for vitamins. Uh, we grew pretty substantially, which I, I don't actually say that, right? I almost say it in a sense of like, gosh, I almost would have rather just stayed the same size if we didn't have to deal with this stuff. <laughs> and um, so it's an interesting thing. I think a lot of people have talked about how like, oh, e-commerce sales are growing like crazy. And it's like, you know, what's interesting for us was that wasn't the massive growth for us. A lot of it was through retail and people go like, what the heck? That's insane. Like, how did you... How was it retail whenever all this other stuff was whatever, you know, like growing through and it's like, sure, but like people are going where they were going before. And it's like, okay, we have like, like target.com that's grown pretty substantially. Walmart.com growing substantially amazon.com, but they have 44% increase in sales or something the other day. You know, like those areas are growing like crazy. So I think a lot of people in like the online space, we're seeing a lot of growth through that. The reality is people were still on Facebook, but like, Think about where people are getting their revenue from in terms of their site, right? Sure, people were going on our site and buying there rather than going to a store at times. But as an overall, most people were just buying the way that they were. So if people were increasing their revenue on their site, likely they were increasing their Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok spend, or were increasing like email, SMS, something like that. But the reality is it wasn't like, people just all of a sudden were, or at least we didn't see it like this, all of a sudden now going crazy about like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, they still have to find five to five. And the way that they find us is through those channels. So, mm -hmm. Right. Did you find that in, in some situations, let's just say Amazon, you know, they, they sold out of all kinds of essentials very, very quickly in those early months. Were you coming up in searches because maybe they were looking for vitamins and some other ones were starting to sell yeah. out? So you were moving up. Was that kind of what happened 100%. there as well? It was a stock yeah. game at that point. Like yeah. it's always been a marketing game on Amazon, right? But like during the yeah. COVID season, it was who can stay in stock. Because if you were to go out of stock for long enough, you were toast. Yeah. You know, like one of the elderberry gummies now on there does over a million bucks a month before they were probably doing... I mean, they were doing fine before, right? Like they were yeah. probably still doing 200 grand a month, mm -hmm. but it's like, how insane is that? You know, now they've got 75,000 reviews and all that. So it's definitely an interesting take and it's a hard part of the business. It's like, well, how do you, how do you structure yourself? You know, we started holding a lot more inventory in our warehouses because of the COVID stuff. And oh my, I can't tell you how many times we probably lost half a million dollars in sales last year just because of stockouts. And I'm like, oh, should I be holding more? And it's like, well, you can only hold so much. Again, we go back right. to cash flow. Yeah. It's like, right. well, if right. I held $10 million in inventory, I'd be out of business. Well, that's <laughs> like everybody it. wanting to go back and buy Bitcoin three years ago or something. You know, you can't. Yeah, totally right. You're going to make reasonable, rational decisions along the way. Exactly. Sounds like the rash yeah. decision today is to go and just 
get really in the know of what Elon Musk likes because everything that he talks about somehow just goes up in value. <laughs> I don't agree with it, but everyone else does. So, oh, it's not rational. It's just you know, it it's, doesn't it's make hot. sense. Everybody's talking about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I saw an article just today that Dogecoin got up, went shot up again because sense. he was about to be beyond some show or something, and it's like, it's, yep, well, it's all hype. It's one of those things that like. Am I impressed by people that have like put money in and made money out? Sure. But like to a point, I'm like, I just, I don't know. I, I see them a different way than others. Like Bezos makes sense. And I know the thing is, is like Bezos back in the day was always like, oh yeah, we'll be worth more than, I think it was Sears. And people were like, you're freaking nuts. And, <laughs> and today, like everyone laughs because they're like, well, of course they're bigger than Sears. And it's like, yeah, today, but 25 years ago, they weren't. Yeah. That wasn't and a guarantee. I think it's the same thing with some of the stuff that he does. I mean, he's mm -hmm. an incredibly smart guy, obviously. But anyway, sorry, off topic. But <laughs> stuff's crazy to me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. I mean, I enjoyed hearing about your business and how you guys are, are running things. And sounds like you're on a good path of, you know, diversifying the business and, and trying to meet, you know, your consumers wherever they are. If they want to go to the website, tell us where the website is. And, you know, if they want to get in contact with you, ask some questions that we've covered on topics we've covered today, where can they do that? Yeah, definitely. So vitafive.com, V-I-T-A-F-I-V-E.com, or you can just search Vitafive on Amazon. Uh, okay. If you're trying to reach me, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So I don't, I don't post a whole lot, but I'm always, always on LinkedIn. So feel free to reach out. More than happy to, to chat about specifics of anything. So we're still learning ourselves. So I'll probably pick everyone else's brain as much as they pick ours. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it was great chatting with you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on the show again today. Really appreciate it. Awesome. How are we going? All right. Thanks, Nick. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Subscription Scale, sponsored by Rebar Technology. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share this episode with your network.